one of the things that has been said a couple of times this morning in um, words and even through the video, which, is, um, which I think is God's heart for us as a church, is this word opportunity. Um, and I've shared this with a couple of people this week, um, at the beginning of the week, and also with our leadership team on Thursday. So this is something that God has laid on my heart for us as a church, and this word opportunity. We have an opportunity as a church in this season, in this moment, for what it is that God wants to do with us. And that's a privileged position. It's an exciting place to be. It's something that we should look forward to. And I believe it's something that God wants to um, explore with us over these next few weeks and encourage us in. This is really my vision and part of my vision for us as a church family. I haven't really talked to you like this since um, the, the shift of leadership that happened at the end of last year, but I want to do that over these next, next couple of weeks to share my heart for where I see our church going and what I think it should be like and how we'll get there. Um, yeah, so let's pray before we look at God's Word together. God, we do thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for the blessing of the freedom of being able to sing your praises, declare your greatness, Lord, and be encouraged um, through words of encouragement and prophecy this morning. Lord, we pray that as we look at your word together, that you would inspire our hearts, you would challenge us, you would change us, you would make us fit to serve your purposes for your honor and for your glory, Lord, we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about the start of this new year and the start of this season for us as a church, um, this idea of this being a season where God was aligning different things so that we could step into what God has for us really came to my heart and came to my mind. And maybe it's something you always think about at New Year, but I really wasn't in the place to be, I mean, wasn't really in the mind, the frame of mind. I was looking forward to the turkey. I was looking forward to the socks, the presents, and all those things that go with it. I had my mind on those things, but yet in my heart I was thinking, this next season, Bill, you have an opportunity in your own life and also in the life of Hope Church to really step into what it is God has for us. And that really came to my mind. And as I was sitting thinking about that, somebody sent me a text message and says, Bill, you should really read this passage of Scripture. Now, if you're like me, when you get that, you kind of, oh, I'll read it later. Um, and maybe that comes to your mind. And I get sent a lot of Scripture verses and a lot of books that I should read and a lot of things that I should be doing. Our list is sky high. But this one, this one verse came through, and it was the passage that we're going to look at this morning, because since I read it, it kind of gave a biblical framework to what I had been feeling in my heart about where we could go or where I could go as an individual. And it was First Chronicles chapter 29. And if you have your Bible with you, I would love you to turn to that passage with me, please. Actually, this morning in our worship time, um, Gemma, read out part of this passage, but I want us to look at a large chunk of it. So it is a, quite an extensive um, read this morning, but that's always a good thing because we believe in God's Word and the power of God's Word. So we're going to read that. Um, and this really stirred my heart, and I felt to use it as our text this morning. <coughs> and probably the reason I did look at it as well was because it was my mom that sent it to me. 
So I knew that your mum sent you a verse, just get on to it and get reading it. So this was the passage that she sent me. Before we read it, just stay there in First Chronicles, um, please, chapter 29. But just to set the context of what this passage is all about, you'll find the context of the passage over in Second Samuel chapter 7. Don't go there, just let me read it to you. And it's this point in time, this is what happens. After the king, that is King David, had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies all around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the Lord remains in a tent. So Nathan told the king, go and do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. Now that's the backdrop. That's what happened. That was in Nathan's heart to build a tabernacle or a tent to put the ark of God in. Many years had passed, and then we get to the stage in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to read from verse 1, okay? Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the man whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as the onks for the setting, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now, I'm going to run a bit of a quiz on those numbers later on, okay? So I hope you were listening. What comes next in the passage, we don't have time to read it, but I'd encourage you when you get home, read that awesome prayer by King David that comes after that from verses 10 to 13. It's an amazing prayer all about the greatness of God and what it's all about. So I'd encourage you to read that in your own devotions later. But if you skip down to verse 14, if you would, after the, David gets to the end of the prayer, he says this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as, as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as well as our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. 
Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build this palace structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down before the Lord and before the king. And then what happens next is they bring Solomon, they anoint him again, and they say that he is going to be the king of Israel and the king of the people. And it says at the very end of the passage, chapter or verse 25, the Lord highly exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal splendor such as no king over Israel ever had before. It's an awesome picture of people gathered together to serve the purposes of God under this king, under David and then under Solomon. And I want to say a few things about this. Before we do, let me show you a picture um, up on the screen. First, of, first one, Tim, if you would. And can anyone tell me what this, not the blank space, this is? Anybody? For a, a month-old selection box? Anyone? Hmm? Good guess. The big one, Tim. These are is a small um, section of the bigger plan. And the first point is this, that there is a plan. There is a plan. As individuals, as humans, we only see a small part of it. And oftentimes we're looking at what we saw in the last picture, a small, blurry, bit of a sketchy bit, and we're looking at it going, what's going on? What is this about? But see, God, he sees the beginning from the end. Every angle, every pitch, every measurement, he has in his mind what it is that he wants to happen. He has a plan that he's working towards, and we only see small bits of it. That's the first point. In this story, that's what we see. We don't have time to read it this morning, but if you look at First Chronicles chapter 28, you have a, a discussion of David and Solomon, or pr- pretty much David speaking. He does much of the speaking in this. Uh, but David wants to build the palace for God's, the ark of God, He wants to do it, and God tells him, no, because you're a man that shed blood. It'll be your son who builds this. But the ideas that David has on his heart are from God. There's something that God has put there. It's a good desire. It's a good passion. And God has laid on his heart the desire to build this structure for the ark of God. But God says, no, it'll be Solomon that does it. And then it says that David gave his son Solomon's plans So David had laid out before Solomon all the resources, but he had also laid out the plans. Here's the way it has to be. Here's what the portico looks like. Here are the dimensions. Here is the structure. And it says there's a key verse um, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. It says, He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of of God and the surrounding rooms and the treasuries. There was a plan And in verse 19 of chapter 28, it says, All this, David said, I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand on me, and he enabled me to understand all the details of the plan. Now, there's a lot of plan in there, but it's important that we recognize this. What God is doing in his world and in his church is not ad hoc. It's not last minute. It's not what needs done, I'm going to do it here, I'm going to do it. No, it's not like that. God has a very specific plan that he has in mind. In fact, 
He is a, a cosmic architect, designer, builder. He works in a scale that we can't even fathom. And we're running around thinking, what are we going to do next? How am I going to sort that problem out? How am I going to fix that? What am I going to start next? But God has a plan, and that's really, really important. David understood that God had a plan, and it was David's role to write that down, to get that in writing so that Solomon could follow it. God has a blueprint for our life as a church and also as individuals, and God is working that out. Along the way, he gives us small roles and parts to play and groups to play parts in that plan. He invites us to be co-workers with him. And you heard that this morning as well through something that I can't remember. It was a Colin or Helene said. It's probably both of you. That there's a part that God is calling us, an invitation to be part of his grand design. See, our invitation to come to the cross, come in repentance, receive his forgiveness, receive washing and by his blood is not only about us being fit for heaven to live with him there, as we were singing during the Christmas season. It's about us being fit to serve him here. Not just about being fit for heaven to live with him there, although that will be great, and where heaven's going to be is for a sermon for another time. But the point is this, our invitation to come the way of the cross in repentance and into relationship with God is about us being made fit to serve the king here as well. So there's a plan. David got a glimpse of God's plan, God's desire. And what was it that David had seen? What did he want? Did he just want a fancy building where he could put the presence of God and just say, well, there's a nice building? No. David had a glimpse of a greater plan, which was God dwelling in the midst of his people. So that was the big plan. That was what it was really all about. It was about God fulfilling his desire to dwell in the midst of his people. See, he called them out of slavery to do what? To worship him, to be in relationship with him. And what was one of the first things he got them to do? Build a tabernacle. Build a tabernacle so that there's a meeting place between me and my people. That's what I want. And that's what David understood. He had an idea and a glimpse of what God's plan was. When he um, began to talk about this great plan, when David began to talk about the plan of God to build this big um, temple, he immediately began to store up provisions for that end. I was really uh, inspired and challenged listening to, of all people, Arnie Schwarzenegger last night in a video. And he was talking about having a plan in mind and working towards that end. Now, who would have thought that Arnie would be a bit of a philosopher and someone to be a bit of a life coach? But he talked about in his early teens, or sorry, mid-teens to early 20s, his schedule was college. Then he went to the gym for four hours. Then he went to work on a construction site. And then after the construction site, he went back to the gym and worked from 8 to 12, just doing the, the muscle stuff. That's why he's such a big guy and why he won Mr. Universe at age 20. And people asked him, like, what are you doing here? Why have you got a smile on your face when everybody else is, this is like a chore to them? He says, because I'm working towards a plan. I'm working towards an end goal. I'm working towards something, so I'm putting all the work in towards that end. See, when David got a glimpse of God's plan of what he wanted, he started to make provisions for that. He started to put away stuff, money, resources, all that he had working towards that vision. That's what he did, and I was really challenged by that. Where is it that we want to be in five years? 
What do we want to know? What skills do we want to have? Sorry, I forgot. Also, Arnie, when he was in London during that time, he went to acting class in between those times. He spent all of his time working towards that end. He gave it everything. For what? To have a bit of muscle? To act in a, in a, on TV? David understood something greater and was working towards a greater vision than that. He began making provisions. Our lives... We are taken by surprise often, the things that go on, but God is never taken by surprise. Um, over the Christmas period and on Christmas Day, I made Christmas dinner for our family. No one got poisoned. No one went to a hospital, so it was a success. There was me and Hillary, my mom and dad, my brother and his wife and all the kids. Greatest meal that anyone ever had. It just went, it was just the tastiest meal. Um, but see, get, getting all those things to come out at the right times was tricky enough. All the different vegetables, the turkey, which was amazing, the potatoes, which were amazing, all of that. It was really tricky. But we struggle with things like that. But see God orchestrating all that goes on, even in our solar systems, just no problem. So why is it that we spend most of our time fretting and stressing about the next step whenever God has it under control? If we spent more time asking him and doing what he said, I think we'd, we'd save ourselves a lot of grief, just putting it bluntly. So God has made us who we are, where we are at this time and at this place. There is a plan, and the invitation to come into fellowship with God through the cross of Christ is about us getting to be who God wants us to be. The you, the you that God wants you to be is really important, and we're going to look at that next week. We're going to spend the morning looking at that. God has a plan. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity. In relation to the building of the temple, never before in the history of God's people, from Egypt or Abraham, even way before that, they never had the resources, the land, the peace, the prosperity than they had at that time. It was the first time that they lived in peace in the land that they were in. They had a residence, they had resources, they had a king, they had all the elements that converged in this one moment to allow them to do something that they had never been able to do before. David brought them peace during that time. The people prospered under him and at the beginning of Solomon's reign. Their history was important. The exodus, the wanderings, the crossing of the Jordan, the def or, um, defeating the enemies at Jericho and Ai, all of that was important. Shiloh, which Eli and Samuel operated in, it was like a tabernacle. So it was a, it was a residence structure, but it wasn't permanent. All that was important. All that was good. All that was right. But in David's time, and particularly in Solomon's time, this was a new day. These were different times. There was an opportunity then that there, wasn't, there hadn't been before, and there never would be afterwards. Now, there was other temples built later on after this one was destroyed, but it was always difficult, and it was never the same. This was a unique moment. This was a unique opportunity for the people of God. They had a window in this moment to do something that had never been done. Folks, we do too. We have a window of opportunity in this moment. We have the elements. We have the people. We have the culture. We have the leaders, we have the vision, we have the potential. Things will not always be as they are now. We have a window of opportunity. Now, I'm not, going to, I'm not saying that this is the best time ever to be a part of this church. 
I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this chance will never come along again. Where we have the people, we have the leadership team, we have the building, we have the resources, we have people in influential positions in the workplace. We will never have this time again. We only have one chance. And all those about my age are thinking of a song that they shouldn't really sing. We've got this one chance in this moment. Things will not always be as they are now. We say this all the time, the time flies. We are now in 2019. Can you believe that? 2019. I remember watching sci-fi films years ago that everyone was in space in 2019 when you used to watch them, when you thought that everything would be automated and we would hover about and we would live forever when we were watching programs from the 80s. Folks, we are now in 2019 and things have progressed an awful lot, but we're not quite there yet. The Bible talks about life being a vapor and a moment and like the growing of grass. And folks, it is. It is. It seems to be just here today and, and that's it. Things are so brief. Things seem to be speeding up. We have a moment in time where we number, the number of our years are now. We're not waiting on it to happen. We're actually in it now. We have a chance to run with the baton when it's our turn. When it's our turn and it's our turn today. This is our time. The dash between the dates. We're in that now. We're not waiting on it. We're not looking back on it. We're actually in it now. We hear this phrase from our Christian heritage, and it's a good phrase, but it says that this life is a training ground for the life that is to come. It's good to think about our lives in the light of eternity, and it is good to do that, but don't forget about this life. Don't forget about the this life part, because we're in it now, and we'll never get it again. Israel, after the time of David and Solomon, would never again enjoy the peace that they had under these two kings. If they had have missed the chance to build this temple in this moment, they would have never been able to again. There are significant moments where we have the chance to do something, but once that chance is gone, it's gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no Scrooge reliving it again. There's no coming back with some weird guides that are going to show us our lives and we'll get the chance to turn it all around. Once it's gone, it's gone. What are we going to do with it? Once it's past, it's past. I believe it's the same for us as individuals. And I want to encourage you, live your life now, please. Live it now. What I mean by that, I mean to go to more church services? Not necessarily. Maybe for some, yeah. Go to more. Spend more time with your family. Spend more time enjoying your kids and your wife. Spend more time reading God's Word. Spend less time on Facebook and watching cat videos on YouTube. Anyone do that? I do that. Far too much. And I do like a laugh. Then again, laugh more. Maybe you need to watch more cat videos. <laughs> laugh more. But live your life now because you'll never get it again. But most importantly, and in relation to what we're talking about this morning, most importantly, embrace the purposes of God for your life now because it'll not always be there. You'll not always have the energy, the resources, the ability to do it like we do now. As an individual, that's important, and we're going to look at that more next week, but collectively as a church, church, can I encourage you, embrace, embrace what God is calling us to a church, to as a church now. Get involved in something. Spend more time praying with your brothers and sisters. 
Spend more time applying the word that you've heard when you go home. Spend less time criticizing and gossiping. Spend more time encouraging people. Step up into your gift in here, but also outside these walls. Be the church. Be the people of God God has called you to be. We have an opportunity. There is an opportunity in these days for God to do something significant through you and also through us as a church. Third thing is this. The resources are there. The resources are there. King David had amassed an, an amazing amount of wealth and, and resources and materials to get this job done. He was a man that understood about legacy. That's a sermon for another time and the things we leave behind. David had the resources, and he talks about it a lot in the passages that we have read this morning. The estimated monetary amounts that David had left for the building of the temple is mind-boggling. In silver and gold alone, you're into the hundreds of millions in today's currency. And that's a conservative estimate. Hundreds of millions is what he was leaving to get this job done. David left everything for the work of God. Everything. And that's a sermon for another time too. Everything was left to God and for God's work. Hundreds of millions. In fact, some people say it was actually into the trillions. But we don't even need to say that because hundreds of millions is plenty. That's what he left for Solomon to get the job done. Now, we can go on about that, but we're not going to. I want to talk about the stuff being there. Folks, what God wants done in his world might seem like a monumental task, and it is a monumental task. It cannot be done without God's involvement. That's first principle. But the second is this. The resources to get the job done are there, and they are here. He will never ask us to do anything that he has not enabled us to do. He will never ask us to do anything that he has not enabled us or equipped us or resourced us to do. If you went into a job anywhere, apart from some of the jobs that I worked in, when you were given a job to do, you were given the tools you needed to get the job done. It's the same with us. As the army and the people of God, when God calls us to do something, he gives us what we need to get it done. Now, sometimes we don't even realize we have the tools, like Gideon hiding, carrying in fear, in a wine press trying to thresh wheat, which was a nonsense, being terrified, but yet an angel of the Lord comes along and says, Gideon, mighty man of valor. He had the resources to get the job done, but he wasn't even aware of it. But he had them there. He had the strength. He had the leadership ability. He had what it took to get the stuff done. Folks, it's the same with us. Whatever God is calling you to in your life, in your family, in your community, in this church, whatever he is calling you to, he has already given you the resources to do it. Hey, do you believe that? Because it's obvious that you don't, because you're sitting there going, oh, I'm not so sure about that. You have the stuff to get the job done, no matter how difficult it might seem, whether you believe it or not. That's why it's important to listen to the people around you. See, when they tell you, you'd be good at that, and you go, oh, no, I'll be rubbish at that, I'll be rubbish at that. And they say to you, no, you could, you could do that. It's important to listen to those voices sometimes because there's wisdom there. There's people that see things in us that we don't even see in ourselves. The resources are there to get the job done. The millions and millions and millions and millions that God has at his disposal are now at ours. That might not be in pounds and pence, but it's in the quantity and the quality of the stuff that he has deposited within his people. And that works itself out in gifting, in ability, 
in all sorts of ways, but also in the greatest way of all, that He Himself is resident in us now. Holy Spirit, resident in here, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What task is there then that cannot be done? What job cannot be done if God Himself is resident in you? Do you believe it? It's the truth. God is resident in us. And we're going to look at this more next week. So the resources are there. God will not call us to do something He hasn't equipped us to do. And time and time again, we see that in Scripture. Men and women called by God who say to God, No, God, I can't do that. Sure, I can't speak. Sure, I'm hiding here. You know, I'm just a boy. All the excuses we see in Scripture, whenever people say to God, I can't do that. And God time and time again says, who made you that way? Don't be afraid if you're young. You're a mighty man of valor. We see that in Gideon, Jeremiah, Moses, and even Peter. Lord, don't come onto my boat. I'm a sinful man. And God and Jesus steps into the boat and makes him aware of who he really is underneath it all who God has made him to be. And that's just to name a few. The resources are there. David was passing on to Solomon, his son, all that he had accumulated for this task. He gave everything to the task. And what that task was, was the purposes of God. He gave everything to the purposes of God. And I want to ask you today, are you giving everything to the purposes of God? I don't mean you're giving your money and your offerings into here. I mean in your heart and by your life and by your bank account, yes, but by your time, are you giving it all to God for His purposes? Or are you just giving Him what you have left over? Are you giving Him just what you have left over? David gave everything when he recognized the plan and purposes of God. You're probably all at this stage, and uh, maybe you aren't, but you probably should be at this stage of the new year looking at your bank accounts, looking at your standing orders, looking at what's going in and what's coming out. I would, do, I would love you to do a wee task. This isn't a, an offering plug. This is for yourself. Have a look at what's going into the work of God. Mission work. The widows, the orphans, the people who have nothing. Ask yourself, is your standing orders all about entertainment, luxury, Chinese meals, Indian takeaways? And on this hand, you have just what you have left over, going to the places that God has called us as his people to sow into. It would be a worthwhile exercise. David gave hundreds of millions, everything that he had for the purposes of God. Are we doing the same? Because it's easy to come in here. It's easy to put our hands up and say, God, we're desperate for you. We want you to use us. We want you to do all of those things but it's not so easy when you look down your bank account and you see that we spend all of our money that we get nearly all on ourselves. And meanwhile, the heart of God for the broken, the lost, the poor, people who are abandoned, who are living on the streets, all of that we just forget about or we ignore or we feel too uncomfortable to do anything about it. The two go hand in hand. If we're going to fulfill the purposes of God for our lives, as a church in this community, then those things need to go together. Because when we start putting those things right, then God will start working out more of his purposes and plans for the days that are ahead.
Yeah, it got very quiet in here. I'll not put them up, our results up on the screen, but just do it. I would encourage you to do it. We were doing it over Christmas, and we're really challenged in ourselves to put some things right. David passed on everything that he had for the building of God's temple. We have been recipients of all that God has passed on to us through others. In this room today, there's probably... Oh, let me give a, an estimate, conservative estimate, about 60 or 70 different churches represented where people have come from different other churches or spent time in other churches and ended up here. Your history in those places has been a place where God has deposited in you stuff from other teachers, other preachers, other believers, and you are now here sitting with a wealth of stuff in you that's good stuff. Some of us bring stuff, and I've brought stuff that's maybe not so good that you need to chuck out along the way. But what I'm saying is you're here now, packed full, full of resources that have been passed on to you by people that loved you enough to share God's word with you or encourage you. What are you going to do with that? You're just going to let it jangle around in your pockets? Are you going to give it to the work of God? wherever that work of God is. It might be in this building, it might be in your workplace, your community, it might be nationally, globally, it doesn't matter. But what are you going to do with the resources that have been left to you through other people? Just going to hold on to them? Please don't. We have been given so much. We need to do something with it. When I look around this room, I am amazed at all that God has brought into this fellowship. Amazed, really amazed. There are people who have come from all different walks of life with history, with story, with experience, with gifting. And I just go, my goodness, God, you have amassed here a group of individuals of incredible gifting and potential, integrity, wisdom, vision, character, all of these amazing things, all for a common good and the purposes of God. God has resources here for a purpose. He has brought you here for a purpose. He has made this moment uh, a moment like it was for Esther for such a time as this. And the reason why we have, while I am a, as a leader here, I'm trying to coordinate some of that through our services. So different people doing a table, different people leading, um, doing announcements, different people leading worship and preaching. I'm trying to do my part to see all that coordinated together because it would be a real shame if we bottleneck this thing in such a way that all of your gifting and ability wasn't be able to be ex expressed here. So that's part of the reason in the heart for that. We'll talk about that more next week. But I'm amazed, and I, we're really blessed as a church to have so many gifted and good people for this time, for this purpose. We have an opportunity, folks. We have an opportunity, and we have resources and we have God in his heart with a plan for something. So God has a plan. We have an opportunity. The resources are here, there, in abundance. And this is the last thing I want to say. What will our response be? What will we do about it? And if you would, if you would go to our passage again, I'm just going to read it before, in just a few minutes, I'm going to invite the band up. First Chronicles um, 29. We read these verses earlier, but we're going to read them again to see what did the people do when they heard David talking this way? How did they think? Did they think, oh, David, here we go again. Forget about it, David. You just do the stuff. We'll just enjoy the result. How did they respond? Listen to how they responded. First Chronicles 29, verse 5, the second part of verse 5, and we'll read a few of these verses together. 
David said, now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord this day? That just means to, to get on board with this. That's what he was saying. And it says, then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now, do you see what was the people's response to this call? This is what we're going to do, people. What was the response? They gave willingly. They gave what they had. Any extra they gave. The leaders of the tribes, when you see that phrase, it's not like Israel had these deacons who just got on with things and the people found out about it a bit later down the line. Whenever these leaders were set up over the different clans of hundreds and thousands, they were set up as representatives, but they actually actioned out the will of the people. So whenever the leaders are deciding to do this, they're doing it in response to what the people have said. It's not like the leaders go forward with all this money, all this stuff laid at um, David's feet, and all the people go, what, what are you doing? It's not like that. It's like, yes, we're all on board with this. This is the unity that the people move forward with. Now, please, please, please don't hear this as about giving money into the plate. It's not. It's about you giving what you have to serve God in the way that God has called you to. We're not looking to do an extension or any building work or we need, we need lots of gold and give me the gold you got for Christmas. It's not like that. I am trying to encourage you to give what God has put in you. If it's a hospitality gift, do it. If it's a prayer gift for praying for others or encouraging others, do it. If it's a teaching gift, come and talk to me and let's see how that works itself out. If it's a serving with the youth or in the creche, or let's do it. If it's a start a, a fellowship in your community, do it. Do it. Do what God has called you to do for now because you won't have this opportunity again. And as a church, whatever God lays on our hearts as a church to do in the days, of days ahead, I want us as a church family to rejoice with each other that we willingly do what God has called us to do, whatever that might look like. And I'm excited at the possibilities um, of what that might look like. The leaders and the families gave willingly. They all were 100% behind what was going on. They were all for it. Let's do it together. Let's embrace the opportunity we've been given. And I would love us as a church. And I see a lot of nodding heads, which is great. hope it's not fighting off sleep. I hope it's nodding. I see a lot of nodding heads. And folks, that's what I want for us as a church. Let's move forward together. Let's say, yes, let's do this. Let's embrace the opportunities we've been given, whatever it looks like, whatever it might look like in the days that are ahead. And it's not, I was sharing this with the session on Thursday night, it's, this isn't a, there isn't a massive strategy of church growth or um, campus expansion or anything like that. This isn't about a, a fad of a thing. This is about a heart thing. Because see, whenever God moves our hearts to be willingly giving ourselves to him, he makes the, the structure and the way clear. There's no need to, to amass 
hundreds of different strategies about doing this and doing that and doing the other thing. When God moves people's hearts, he makes clear how that works itself out. That's the way I think it works best, and that's what I'm presenting to you today. So everyone was behind what was going on here. But there's an interesting thing that I want to finish with. How does David understand all that's going on here? How does he think about this? Does he think, oh, I've made this great sacrifice unto God. I'm going to look back. I'm going to be looking for my, you know, my pressed down, shaken together stuff. I want something back from this God. Is he measuring out the coins? Well, he did mention exactly what he was giving. He did do that. But how does he understand what's going on here? And this is, I absolutely love this. First Chronicles 29, 14. David says this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. How did David understand it? As an act of worship. He was giving back to God what God had given to him. The reason that we can serve in freedom and give and talk and preach and give hospitality and pray with somebody that really encourages them. The reason that we can do that is because God has put it in us to be able to do it. So all we're doing is giving back to God what he has already given to us. The reason that we can sow in financially to orphanages and into church and into um, charities, the reason that we can do that is because God has given us that blessing of money to be able to do that. So all we're doing, folks, is giving back to God what he has already given to us. And I would encourage you to understand it like that. How are we going to see purposes and plans of God fulfilled for us as a community of believers and as individuals? Two really simple things. Being who God has made us to be, firstly, and doing what God has put on our hearts to do. Two simple principles. Being who God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do. Not rocket science. Not really even that difficult. Sometimes it is. Being who God has called us to be, the children of God, with the gifting that he has in us, and also doing what he has called us to do. 